You're listening to the Northwestern Campus Ministry Podcast from Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa. Northwestern Campus Ministry exists to send students out as those rooted, built up, and established in Christ for God's glory and for the sake of the world. Thanks for listening and enjoy this recent message from our Christian Formation Program. up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other, until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, you have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted to you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind to heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? When he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. When the company of prophets who were at Jericho saw him at a distance, they declared the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. They came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in welcoming Reverend Dr. Micah McCreary.
acknowledge God the creator, God the redeemer, and God the sustainer. I acknowledge, as Hebrew says, the great cloud of witnesses, the ancestors who are around us, who form us and make us who we are. I acknowledge all of my teachers and mentors and friends who are with me even today. I acknowledge the president of this great school, President Christie. I must acknowledge the New Brunswick Theological Seminary trustee, Dr. Cambria, and I'm not gonna even mess up, I mess up co-wassons every time I say it, so I'm not gonna say it, but I did. I acknowledge the angel of this house, I would consider the, the dean of chapel, the director of chapel, Reverend DeYoung. He told me to call him Mark, but I'm not obedient um, most of the time. And all the other good folk who are here, particularly you all who are students, it's good to be here. I wanna talk about the community of the prophets. And even as I, I began to talk and I was here, I remember my daughter, I, I, I held her in my arm as I was writing my dissertation. So she's always been with me as an academic. But I think she was also with me even in 76 when I became a youth pastor and I started ministry in all the churches that we went to. But I remember taking Makita when she was young to school because I taught a class in child development and she became my illustration. So, you know, I would take her one year and she could barely walk and I would talk about that development. Then she could run and I would talk about the further development and ego development, all the stuff that is in child psychology. And we were also, her mother is a pastor and I'm a pastor. We pastored together for 17 years. We were on a staff together for 11 years before that. And so Makita was kind of used to church and she used to carry her own little briefcase with us when we went to do workshops and all that. And she was just there. But then as she got older, she said, Mom, Dad, when I get old enough, I'm never going to another funeral. I'm never going to another wedding. I just don't want anything else to do with this. And we just kept on living life. And I'm proud to say now that Makita is a minister of worship. God has humor, but there's something significant about how we pass on our faith. There's something important, and as a president of a theological institution, I think about this all the time, the call that we have, the, the vocation that we choose to, to, to take the word of God, to take the, the way of God and transplant it, transform it, transmit it to other people is so critical. And it's like we no longer think about, hmm, how do we do it? How is it that we move from the places of brokenness and despair, the places of frustration and agony, the places where we just don't want to go on, and then we find the significance of the cross and we recognize the power of resurrection and we then walk in ascented ways? How do we do it? I argue it's the community of the prophets. We've gotten away from looking at prophets. But Ephesians 4 says that Jesus Christ, as he was about to ascend, gave gifts to the church. And some of that gifting wasn't just pastors, wasn't just teachers. It was also missionaries. 
It was also evangelists. And it's also prophets. And it's like we want to exegete the text to work in the ways we want it to work in and not in the ways that God would have it work in. We wanted to do what we wanted to do, not what God totally says it should do. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Come back to me. Because there's some things that can elevate your ministry, things that can elevate your life. I come from the inner city of Detroit, Michigan. Seven children, poverty, all the other craziness, and now I stand and I'm so thankful for the life God has helped me to lead where I finished engineering, I finished divinity school, I finished my PhD, I've been a professor, I've had grants, and I'm like, ah, how? How? Can I give you just three things and I'll, I'll, I'll take my seat? Number one, in that text, in Kings, it talks about the fact that the sons, in one translation of the prophets, were there. Another says the community or the company of the prophets were there. The word there really indicates that this is a relational thing. In other words, the first thing is I call prophetic adoption. When you really want to do evangelism, when you really want to do ministry in a powerful way, you've got to accept prophetic adoption. That means that I'm going to reach out into a crazy world and invite things in that could mess me up. It means that I'm going to take a risk and connect with somebody that is not all that they should be right now, but I'm going to connect with them because of the possibility of God transforming their life. I'm going to connect with them because I need to be connected. They need to be connected. In the connectedness, in that molecule of our possibilities, we can change things. I had a young man I taught and I was in class with as a martial artist. His name I won't say his name because you could find him if I did. And one day I'm at the church preaching. I'm preaching, y'all. And the deacons in the church came out of the back and said, Pastor. I'm like, I'm in the middle of the sermon. Pastor, you got a phone call you got to take. I'm like, what? No, stop. (laughs) Cut that out. I'm trying to preach. And I'm already distracted. I'm already like hyperactive with the keen ability to pay attention to a thousand things. And so I don't need them to keep, I'm going to stay focused. But they interrupt me because this young man has called and he's with the police. And they said, you need to talk to him. So I leave the pulpit. I answer the phone and I talk to the officers. And they said, this young man has said he was going to kill himself or kill his mother. And so I said, well, take him to my house. And I'll be there in about 30 minutes and we'll talk. And they said yes, because they knew me. And so I get home and me and the young man sit and we began to talk. And his reasons for feeling homicidal or suicidal are legit. And so I went into the house, I asked my wife and my daughter, um, could he just stay for the weekend? He was 14 when he came, he was 24 when he left. But he says now, when, when we talk, that because we informally, never anything official, adopted him into our family, we saved his life. And there's so many people in your world who you may not see, they need to be brought in and adopted in. The second thing that I see in that text is called prophetic imagination. 
I love the fact that while Elijah and Elisha are walking, Elisha says to him, Father, I know you're about to be taken away from me, but can I have a double portion of your spirit? You know, can I have a first son anointing? Can I get the mantle so that I can continue the work that you're doing? That's imagination. We need to be able to look in with imagination into the things that God is doing in our lives. To say that, yes, 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 life is hard right now, but I believe I serve a God that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all I can ask or think I serve a God who is able to move mountains. And if the mountain was not rough, I couldn't climb it anyway. I serve a God that can do things. All things are possible. And so I imagine that this God that I'm praying with, this God that I'm believing in, is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all I can ask. That's imagination. And that kind of imagination can transform our world. Pastor Young DeYoung was telling me about this building being built. That's imagination. In the midst of a depression, in the midst of a storm, in the midst where there are people who are giving up, you erect a building to the glory of God. And then last, prophetic transformation. Transformation is not just believing. It's being so touched by the belief that it changes the very fabric of your being. It changes who you are. It changes what you want to do. It changes where you're directed to go. It changes all things about you. When that happens, mm, and it happens through the walking and the talking together. It happens through the, after the adoption, after the, the imagination, then comes the transformation. I had a young man... A daughter of, in the spirit of mine, I was teaching the Psych 101 class. Her name is Heaven. Heaven was sitting there in the 300 people in my class back at Psych 101 with her feet up in her chair, an army hat over her head. And I'm like, she's not interested in anything. So, of course, you know, me being a knucklehead, I walk down. I sit next to her in the middle of a lecture. I'm sitting there. I'm going like, just looking at her there while I'm lecturing. I'm going, why are you sitting there with your hat on your head? You're doing like this. And she's like, she starts laughing. And we start talking. And she says, you know, I want to be a youth minister. I'm dropping out of school. I'm going to be a youth minister. I said, well, that's a good thing to do. But stay with me here. For, 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 for these years, finish your psychology degree and then go to seminary. She did all that, and now she's actually uh, a minister, went to Yale Divinity School, and is doing great. But heaven, because of that transformation, that relationship, went and got a young man and brought him into my office, and we sat down and began to talk, and he was working in a shipyard in Newport News and was just struggling with his life. And as we talked, I listened to him, and I said, man, God's got something for you to do. And he's like, yeah. He told me his vision. He told me his sermon. I said, look, I want you to come to the church on Sunday and preach. He came, and he preached, and I loved him. Everybody else was like, okay, you know. And I, I convinced my wife to work the committee because, see, I— I'm too radical, so folk don't listen to me, but they love my wife. And so she worked on it, so they, they at least interviewed him. 
And he finally was called as youth pastor. And then while he's called as youth pastor, literally his father comes to the first service that he's going to do as a new youth pastor for our church. And his father is a best friend of one of the guys who is the chairman of the trustee board of our church who was oppositional and defy me for doing this. But when he saw that this guy was the son of his friend, he then said, oh, he's so wonderful. And he became our youth pastor. I wound up having him do a ministry on the campus. And that young man now did youth ministry at Virginia Commonwealth University's campus. He invited those young people into his life. And now their church is about 5,000 members strong, doing God's will. God can transform you from wherever you are to be something different if you just trust God. And I'm I'm sensing and I'm feeling that you all already know this. So what I want to say to you as I take my seat is don't let anything stop you. Don't let anything ever stop you. It's like in Detroit, we had these signs, and you all may have them here that said, no standing, no stopping. And they were at the bus stop. I'm like, wait a minute, how do you go to a bus stop? And there's a sign saying, no standing, no stopping. How do you do that and get on the bus? It didn't dawn on me that's for the cars, dummy. But, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, and it dawns on me that God is speaking to me. Because when the bus came, it was time to not stand or stay. It was time to get on the bus and allow the bus to take me to my destination. And God is saying to you that there's a sign that says, no standing, no stopping. No parking. Even what you're doing right now, don't let this be but the beginning. When the door comes, when the doors are open, when the bus is here, whatever that is, take the chance because God has already anointed you with the gifts and the things that you need to be great. Get on that bus and I'll meet you at the victory line. Peace.